Hello and welcome to the Nightcap. It's an Ask Us Anything uh, special. Second time we've done this. Um, it was it worked so well last time. We had so many people get in contact with the show and message us and ask us questions. We thought, why the hell not do it again? How are we doing, mate? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, I'm keeping well. Yourself? Yeah. Well, good, thanks, buddy. I just saw you post yeah. before we came to record this, this beautiful piece of uh, pork pie. Where, where, oh, yeah. Did, where, did you make that? Yeah. Where did you get that from? Brett's made them. Oh, they looked Yeah, cool. we make them here. So now we're doing lunch boxes. This We normally do we do the, the free course boxes, but we do like treat boxes as well, which Brett, who runs a school, he looks after. So we'll do like the shoe buns or yeah, yeah. Uh, brunch boxes. But this time it's more of a savoury, like so an amazing sausage roll, pork pie, piccalilli, cheese and a soda bread. Beautiful. It's too cheap. 16 quid for two people. It's a big portion. Yeah, that is actually. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty amazing. Um... Yeah, so I guess the point of this podcast is just to answer your questions and just sort of meander through like what's life been like for us in lockdown and all those sorts of things, plans coming yeah. up and that sort of stuff. Um, and we might do a few more of these before things go back to normal. So feel free to send them through to us at the Nightcap Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the usual places. Let's dive straight in, shall we, mate? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. First one's from Paul, who says, "How far do restaurants go to cook things like pork belly, ravioli, even mashed potatoes, in order to make it service ready?" Thanks so much, and looking forward to the new episodes. Great question, Paul. That's one thing that I've maybe I've not been scared to ask, but like mm. it seems like a silly question from someone that doesn't work in the kitchen. But for someone who's never worked in the kitchen, I've always thought. When you're prepping stuff, how far do you take the food until you go, right, now we leave it there and then we'll come back to cooking it later? Like, what is that process? Well, that comes with experience and trial, etc. But it is amazing the amount of people that think when the check comes on, you start from scratch. Really? People like, still think that honestly, that's the case? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, com- we've had complaints before about people like, oh, you're not, you're not cooking. Um, sorry, that's my phone. <laughs> Um, you're not cooking everything live. Um, <laughs> cooking everything uh, live, just, <laughs> like yeah, a, like a singer just a, like just, that might that lip syncs to <laughs> lip syncing the food. <laughs> Honestly, are uh, anyone right? Anyone so, when the restaurants go back to normal? Anyone going into salt? Just just so Paul knows you listen to the podcast. Just ask the waiter: Are you lip syncing the food tonight? Just just say that. <laughs> yeah, just say that. We'll know, know what you mean. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, oh, it's just an assembly job. It's like, judge what's on the fucking plate, not, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that. That's all you have to worry about. Not how busy we are. Oh, sorry, am I not fucking? Am I not sweating enough for you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unbelievable. So true. The, the key is it. It is in the mise en place. If you know, you'd need a massive team of chefs if you wanted to every check make mashed potato for every single person. And it wouldn't be consistent. Um, it's all about, like, generally. And it it comes down to how good the restaurant is and the restaurant standards. So potato puree, for instance, if we had it on the menu, we'd make it just before service. And our service is, service is quite short. So you use it for that service. And then you generally, like, stick it back in a pan quickly, you know, heat it back. Yeah up finish it with some some butter or seasoning or whatever um a shit restaurant would make it and it'd be in the fridge for three days and just heat it up when they need it um, <laughs> oh, yum or some places would heat it keep it hot during service which there's no problem with that either if it's a short service and then they'd put it in the fridge and use it again the next day or put it into soup or something so no it was like it's you've got to understand the stages of deterioration and quality of things. Yeah, that's quite like, complex doing... actually for every individual ingredient and dish like that. You, you, 
it's not simple, is it, to learn? And you'd make mistakes along that process, wouldn't you, to figure out what's the best way of keeping this? Exactly, because there's no no catch all answer. You can't keep everything hot because uh, it spoils. Only certain things. You can't do everything to order, and you can't get everything ready. So obviously, like fish and scallops and things. Yeah. They're always, always cooked to order or served raw. Or, you know, meat, depending on the meat, for me, it's pretty much always cooked to order unless it's like a braising cut. Then that's pre-done, pressed, ready, and then you finish it in a sauce or roast it off because mm-hmm. obviously you have to. And that's how you get better, better consistent food you're cooking for yeah, you know, 40 plus people. Yeah, that's the way. But m- more is done than not done. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I suppose it also, yeah, like you say, it depends on the size of your kitchen, how many... T- the menu you have, the size of your team, your start like there yeah. are so many factors. So it's not like one uniform so way many. in every restaurant actually, is it? Getting stuff to no. the, right up into the point. Yeah. And it, yeah, you gotta find that balance of obviously the fresher things are the better. Yeah. But if you take that a little bit too literally, if you're doing things too much to order, you put yourself in the shit and consistency slips. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, you know. I remember reading um, like Marco's book, and he was talking about a lot. Of, well, when he was crazy at Harvey's and just just pushing, he he would um, they had a tagliatelle dish on, and they were rolling the tagliatelle to order. Wow! So they had the pasta. They were ro- check on tagliatelle. So it's like roll, roll, roll oh tagliatelle, blanche. That is you know, pressure. And, exactly. Why would you give yourself that stress? You do that in the morning. <laughs> Well, I suppose in some ways it creates this like urgency and this like, like Sat was always good at that. That because we didn't do lunch service when I was there, and it was like you could kind of get a bit relaxed, a bit casual and stuff. He had these great ways of doing things like that, or if service was slowing down, changing things up to bring that urgency, oh, that I'm in the shit feeling back. Yeah, you need that. Um, on the edge of the yeah, like the weeds, that sort of urgency, a sense of urgency and not complacency, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. I suppose actually you're right. Yeah. I didn't think of it think of it that way, but you could get it to a stage where you almost become too clever at all your mise en yeah. place and everything to the stage with which you then actually maybe co- you're Boring. compromising your dishes to give yourself an easier job in the evening. Oh yeah, definitely. That can, ha- that that can that. happen. They... You almost go to over the hill and down the other side. Yeah, over mise en place. Yeah, yeah, not a fan of that at all. No. Not a fan of that. Cool. That's a great question, Paul. Thank you for that one. Um, it is, yeah. Got another one here from at the night with a at night with a chef saying, "What are your favourite meals you've both cooked over lockdown?" Hmm, good question. <sighs> you, you've probably done better than me, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have. I've seen some of the stuff you've been doing. Yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to blow smoke up your ass here because the I think one of the best things I've done is the mushroom risotto. Okay. Cool. And, and I think the reason for that for me is because I've done like, probably in my life, I've made 10 risottos before at home. Yeah. And that was Which the best. And, and so learning the best one, that was fulfilling because I knew what it, I knew the difference then. Does that make sense? I knew yeah. what a better one, a homemade better one, to, and the little tiny tricks in between the lines that got me yeah, to, a, to another level. More. So I really appreciate it. It was a mushroom risotto, uh, salt masterclass. It was part of Paul's. Um, Salt Masterclass series that he's released now. You can go and sign up and all that jazz, can't you? Um, but that mm. was genuinely one of my favourites. One of the most random, and it did taste great, but you, you're aware of this one. So, oh, where do I start? I'm not going to give too much context to this, but basically, my partner Hayley, she did a job for someone, which meant that as a like a freebie, like a gift, they gave her some pheasants. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> so and I got a text from Haley going, got us some pheasants, and I was like, what? Oh, brilliant! And she was like, yeah, they're free. They just gave it. I was like, brilliant. And then and then she goes, oh, and th- but they're all still. They've just been shot and hung, and now we've got them. And I was just like, oh. So suddenly I just got these bir- these two birds. <laughs> with everything just fully attacked, it looked like they'd just been dragged off the road, and I was like, "Oh fucking hell, what do I do with it?" So I was—I mean, talk about like leaning on you. I was literally WhatsApping you all day, like, "Mate, what do I do with this?" Yeah, we were back and forth. Yeah, yeah. and and like it, the, the end product was—it tasted good. Like, it probably wasn't brilliant because it was the first time I ever did it. But actually, the thing I learned the most was—that's um, the first time I've ever like plucked an animal. Mm-hmm. And yeah. taken all of the giblets and stuff out of the middle. And that yeah. did give me a different perspective on what I was eating. And I was more oh, okay. in fear. It's because I was more in fear of fucking it up, like ruining the meat so we couldn't even use it. And then I felt really responsible. Because even though it wasn't killed for us and we didn't kill it, mm-hmm. there was a sense of that's a bird that, you know, that's been shot to be eaten by someone. And it you don't feel like that when you get it off a supermarket shelf. You just don't, do you? You're so distant. Yeah, you don't have that connection. Yeah, You've you not don't. looked into their eyes. Yeah, I was looking into this eyes. <laughs> the craziest thing, though, this, I think it was New Year's Eve. I was, <laughs> it was like a Texan v- town. I was sat in the sun. out because I, I did it outside because I don't want feathers in the house. And like, oh, you know, God, like, that nightmare. So I was sat, picture this, right, sat on my front porch in a chair, positioned in the sun, because it was a sunny day, with a bin liner on the floor and this pheasant under my arm, plucking it as people walked past. <laughs> and I, I was like, morning! And there was like this, you know, like mum, dad and a daughter and she looks terrified as this like pheasant's neck is just like flailing about. And I'm like, oh, fuck, what do I look like? This is mental. That's brilliant. Um, I'd love to have seen that. Did <laughs> Hayley not take a photo? No, she was out. Thank God. Oh, uh, but God. it was... and. And uh, I did really want to eat it. Like I didn't. I, you know, it sounds silly, but there's a part of you that thinks, "Oh God, we're, you know, in in plucking an animal and actually really getting my fingers dirty with this, mm. will I feel differently or guilty more. or you know, this is actually that?" But I didn't. I I didn't. Which is, I was reassured by that because I've always had this sort mm. of sense that we've talked about it before on the other podcasts of like, if I if I had the trigger on the gun to kill the whatever and I couldn't do it, then how do I go and order a burger the next day? Because it just feels yeah. a bit hypocritical. Whereas actually in doing the process, I had a lot more respect for the animal, but I definitely knew I still wanted to eat it, Yeah, which was a nice... And did you look forward to it more, do you think? Huh. I don't think process. I looked forward to it anymore because I was more nervous about cooking it right. And it probably wasn't... Okay. Like, And, and the breasts were perfect. It was harder to get the legs right because I was doing it all on the crown, but... Yeah, I was I was a bit forgiving of myself. It was the first time I've ever done it, but um, yeah, yeah, I was still pleased I had done it. But the mushroom risotto does take the biscuit for me. That was the best one. Okay. What about what about you, mate? What's yeah. something you've done? Uh, for me? Like it's difficult. Like now, I live on my own now, and like last night, I was like, "What do I cook for myself?" I've never been in a position where I've had to cook for myself. Right? <laughs> that and sounds quite, mental coming from. I'm you. 38 years old, right, and I've never really been in that position. I've always lived in. Um, with say younger years friends or staff accommodation yeah and then um you know i've never lived on my own mm-hmm. like first time i've ever lived on my own in a in a in an apartment so it's like it, it just seems a bit of a waste and a hassle and not cost effective to cook for one mm. so it's you know the want the things i want to eat and it's never about laziness because you know, i love cooking um I hope so. things i want to eat it's just like yeah <laughs> um oh there's just gonna be too much that who's gonna eat that you know and then 
some of the week on with the kids, and my kids' diet is just so bland and boring. They love beige. <laughs> yeah, beige. The beige food, like pasta, bread, potatoes, <laughs> and, you know, bland. And I'm really trying to up, up the season. I'm not trying to force things on them. They don't, I don't, they don't have to be like me about food, but I want them to yeah. learn and have a varied diet and stuff. Mind, yeah. yeah, so I have a couple of times done some things for myself. Like I was at a farm shop the other week when I was bought, so I picked up some calves liver. I've had calves liver in ages. And as it's organuary, not veganuary, <laughs> yeah. um, I, <laughs> I, um, I just, I did it for myself. I give it some to try. I just told them it was beef. And I think that was what threw her because she likes, Esme loves Yeah, so she beef. couldn't say I don't like beef because she knows you'd say, I, oh, you do like beef because I've seen you eat beef yeah. all the time. Yeah. And then she was like, a different texture. I cooked it beautifully pink and, and stuff. And I couldn't tell it was liver because she'd be like, uh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, they both tried it. Ethan spat it on the table. <laughs> Did they? Um, <laughs> just and looked at me in disgust. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Esme just wasn't wasn't a fan. Aww. But yeah, I just did like myself classic smoked bacon, oh, caramelised onions, yeah, yeah, so yeah, like yeah, mushroom yeah. sauce. Ah, oh, it's awesome. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, but that's the best thing I've done for myself. Fair play. No, that's, that's good. I like that. I rate it. Oh, I made, the other day, I made Gary Rose bread and butter pudding for me and the kids, and they love that. Oh, oh God, that, yeah. there's no better bread and butter pudding. Yeah, I love that. Nice one, mate. Okay, next one here from Dominic, who says, how do you guys feel about the work of guys like the Burnt Chef Project and them raising the need to talk about mental health in the industry? Paul, have you seen any examples of chefs struggling due to the demands of the job? And what can we do to help look after people within the industry? Quite a deep one here from Dominic, but I thought it's good yeah. good timing to bring it up, especially under these pandemic times where I think everyone's suffering a little bit in different ways. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've had conversations around this subject many times on the podcast, haven't we? Yeah. And, um, I, I feel... The industry in that respect is gen genuinely and and generally is in a good place, mm-hmm. and it we, it's just important that we carry on doing that work. is It's very unheard of now that yeah. you know these horrible stories, the stories that we talk about, and the things that you know how used to go on when I was younger and stuff doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah. But I think we really need to continue in that vein uh-huh. of making sure the the hours are right and the way people are treated are right um, and getting the right balance because, I mean, like I've said, if you want, if you want to work at the top, then the hours aren't going to be lower. But what else can we do? What other perks can you have? Can you know, can they have set holidays and Christmas? And can we make sure that yeah you know, they're treated right within that time was the working better because it you can't get away from the fact that you know michelin level is going to be intense and long yeah, hours of course. that's that's one thing you can't get away from so how can we understand and accept that and then do other things around it and just make it a much better environment to work in I yeah think that, i think that's that's the key yeah, that's all completely right and fair mate i think the one sort of grey area it's not grey area in in terms of my feelings on it or whether it's not a serious thing but I think the one thing that people will struggle with is that classic thing of you can't it's an illness you can't see mental health Mm -hmm. um, necessarily like you know broken leg you can go fuck his leg is broken I can understand why he can't walk and that is really difficult because uh, and this story came up in the NBA the other day I I follow the NBA really closely and there's this guy you might have heard of him Paul called Kyrie Irving really good high profile basketball player Mm -hmm. he went absent from the team for a week because of mental health issues but he was still like seen doing some Zoom charity work and like posting on Instagram about things with his family so it wasn't like he was like you know perhaps um, becoming a recluse because of it but it was basically him just going yeah it's like I'm injured so it's like I had a bad two weeks 
But it's really difficult. Like I understand, it must be really hard to say. For example, Paul, someone rings you up, one of your team, and says, "Hi, mate. Yeah, no, I'm just don't. I don't feel mentally like I can come in for. You know, I don't feel right to come in." And there's a part of you default, and like it's not a horrible thing because of how we've sort of systemically come to where we've got to in society, where we go, "Well, your Mm -hmm. your leg's not broken, mate. Come on. You might feel better if you come in." Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of... Yeah. And how, how we sort that out and be really right, that is so difficult. Very difficult. So, you Very might, difficult you, in some cases, answer. you might be doing the right thing by saying, no, 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 trust me, when you come in, come under my arm, we'll do mm. things differently today, but you'll feel better. If it, and then they do come to work and they go, Paul, you're fucking right. You really got me out of a tight yeah. spot there. And on a different day, someone else goes, what the fuck? This is my... Ro- I'm really not well. I don't want to come in. Yeah. Like it's, and that is so difficult. And then you've got to add, add to that as well the the cynical side of you know the minority of people that would take the piss out of yes that. and there that will be because it's unseen and there, there is and you can't you can't say for sure you can never be sure yeah. you can only know but there's always unfortunately there's always that side which gives gives it a bit of a bad name or a stigma or a hard to mm-hmm. hard to hard to cope with that's it, almost yeah it is very difficult it's almost similar to the benefit system isn't it where there's loads of people that use it because they genuinely need it that's the majority mm-hmm. of people the few that abuse it who've worked it out give it or yeah. give everyone then a bad name and it's in the press and suddenly yeah. anyone who claims benefit of any kind you're an idiot and you're scrounging and it's and that yeah. that is almost the similar thing where it's the small minority ruin it for the rest of everyone and that that could happen exactly. with mental health in the in, in the industry and yeah and it's a, it's a delicate delicate thing to approach and i I, th- I think you just you've just all you all you can do is do the best to support your staff and do the right things by them and put the right things in place for them. I think that's, I think that's what you can do, support them, yeah. make the difference and just, you know, just try and be there for them. Because I think, um, you know, mental health in the industry is an issue. Yes, but I think it's an issue across every industry. Yeah, it's not so industry so I think specific, to, is it? Yeah, to blame the industry, I think, like the industry, it's, it's an easy target because of the negative connotations around it. Um, but is it the root, root cause of mental health problems? No. Absolutely not. No. Can it enhance? Yeah, of course it can. It can help as well. You know, for myself and things that I've struggled with, it's always been an escape for me yeah. and it's helped me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you, yeah, I think I think what we need to do is stop dismissing, stop blame game and how can we move forward? How can we be better? Yeah. I think I think that's kind of it's that's it's vague, but that's kind right, of the right. answer. Absolutely right, spot on. And also, uh, thanks for the question, Dominic. And also along that route, I wanted to include the question because um, Chris from the Burnt Chef Project, we are going to be speaking to him and doing like a special one-off thing with him in the next couple of weeks. Uh, a podcast sort of dedicated to that topic where we could talk to him and pick his brains and, and those sorts of things. So um, yeah, that should be really good. Doing that in the next few weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. Got another question here from at Swedish Mamba. That's a that's a handle and a half. Swedish Mamba. <laughs> um, what are your favourite boiling point stories from the series so far? Great question. What about you first, mate? What from from not necessarily yours, but the ones you've heard of chefs coming in? Have you got a favourite? Yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't think of of mine personally. No, I thought of others. Um, <laughs> and there's. I mean, there, there, there's so many good ones, and it's, it's hard. It is hard to pick because we've done what twenty odd episodes now, and we proper episodes. Yeah. Uh, um, like, there's three that stand out. <laughs> Top three. Here we okay, go. So in at number three. Uh, in no particular order. Oh, okay. I'd okay. Have to say this, Fine. but this is probably the top three. So, Simon Horston's helicopter story. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, That's class. It's fucking brilliant, and I. It's exactly the kind of thing I. Would yeah, do. it is. Just, yeah. just ruin the guy. Like. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not going to go into it. If anyone's not heard it, you should go back. Yeah. And so, to so that, Simon that Holston's podcast. episode. Oh God, put me on spot here. Yeah. Series one. Isn't series it? one, episode three or four. So no, yeah, but series one. So Something Simon like Holston. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. What else yeah. is in the top three? <laughs> Tommy Banks, because I yes. think yours and my reaction, yeah. we were just like, where did that I come know, from in the middle of the right. story? That was one of the stories. <laughs> this, so Tommy Banks was really recently, and it was yeah. one of those where I didn't know where this was going, and then suddenly it was like, yeah. what? You did what? And it was so yeah. unexpected, it and out of have... character for him, I thought, as well, which was brilliant. Exactly. That story could have gone anywhere, yeah. and we could have put, we could have ran a pool on, run a pool on different things. Yeah. But that would never have been in it, <laughs> would it? <laughs> no, that wouldn't have been one of the betting no, options. No. Yeah, uh, no, that was a class one. We're not going to ruin any of these stories. You've got to all go back no. and listen to them. You've got to listen to it. Uh, and a Tony Parking because he gives us a hat trick. He gives us three stories. He did. That and, was good. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they're relatable as well for me. Um, yeah, one was funny. One was just fucking evil and one was brutal. Yeah. yeah. No, that was good. He seemed to have a lot in the locker, didn't he? I think <laughs> I I think there's another few episodes with yeah, Tony. Yeah, I think it was just honest. one series of Tony. I, a few like honourable mentions though. I generally all been brilliant. Like it just shows you how many stories mm. of this nature the industry has to offer. Um Yeah. I, I think it was a, a boiling point. Johnny the fish. Because he was talking about how he was yeah. going, having a go at someone else and it backfired on him and he had basically the day from hell and it ended in a way you can never imagine. No, we didn't predict that. Yeah. It was true karma, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. that was good. And it, yeah, it kind of worked out in the end. But I think that was a great story because it was, you know, it was had the Hollywood twists yeah. and turns, yeah. didn't it? And he is a great storyteller. And, like, we were just hanging off his every word. Oh, yes. And then the other one, just because it was one of the first ones we did where I went, oh, wow, okay. Um and just because I loved how vulnerable and refl- self-reflective he was of this, Pete Sanchez, but how he hit someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, well, mm-hmm. not hit someone, but it was like it wasn't like a, it was like one of those sort of like a friendly slap was a bit too hard, and it was one of those. But it was just very well yes. told, and it was also very telling of like he was like it was a learning experience and a pivotal moment for him. And I thought that was a brilliant story for us. That that's the key because if you take that out of context, it's a different story, yes. different reaction. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know the way he told the story it was honest, it was authentic, and he just you know he learned from it, and he wasn't there laughing like yeah, I did this and oh yeah, it wasn't funny. bigging himself up. It was, up. Like, it was the opposite, opposite if anything. No, it was yeah, it ended up it was a good story and it ended positive. Yeah, really good. Okay, next one here from Chris Ryan says, "When will the next series be coming out? Do you have to wait for lockdown to end?" Well, that's the thing. Yeah, we <laughs> yep, we do. We're quite strict on our concept, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, we we've had that conversation before, haven't we? About like, oh, we could just jump on a Zoom call and stuff. But I just, it's just not quite the same, and it's not really what we want to do. Like, we we genuinely we're not lying when we say at the beginning of every podcast that it's a late night lock in at, at Salt after dinner. Like that, mm. it is that it, we are. It is late at night, and we've had a few to drink. Like it's not not that we're trying to set anyone up, but it's it's that mm. is part of the feeling of it all. So we want to keep no, it. Like I think that. it's. Yeah, and because that concept and that model is sort of, it's so honed now. Yeah, I think we we could get a really wide variety of personalities in there, and it would work. Yeah, yeah, um, you're right. That's a good if you do that across it. Zoom, I don't think it would translate. Like, I like take. I loved it because obviously I was geeking out a bit when we had Curtis Duffy on. It was a great yes, episode, yeah. really interesting. But imagine if he'd have come oh, to Salt. Yeah, it would be different again. It would, go it would to have been completely level, different. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's why we have to stick by that. But, yeah, definitely. But I don't know, some people are asking on Twitter today for us to do more. I know reviews we've... of movies and stuff. Yeah, so, we could do more know, of that sort of stuff. Like there. if people are into yeah. the things that me and Paul are doing by ourselves, then please do let us know 
because we're we're up for doing that. That's that's quite simple for us to do. Um, but yeah. at the same time, I'm you know without over promising because obviously no one knows when things are properly going back to normal. But r- when it does, we're all fully into you know season four. We know we're definitely committed to. We have plans to go and do more series after that. And you know, truth mm-hmm. be told, it's been it's been a success. And and actually, it's it has, yeah. it's one of those things where like you know one one guest breeds another, and, and suddenly there's momentum. So I think there's a huge amount of guests we can have on in the future. And like you said, Paul, different styles and people and personalities should fit our sort of mold. And yeah, I think so. Yeah, can't wait. We will get yeah. there eventually. Is the message I guess Chris. we will. Uh, okay, one from Ian here who says, "What one ingredient does Paul hate to eat but has to cook with?" Well, I think you're well aware, as most people on the podcast are, my hatred for cheese. Cheese. <laughs> yeah, you're going to say that, yeah. But but the difference is, you know, the best thing about owning your own restaurant and like the business model I've created here, I don't have to cook anything. Yes, that is very all. true. Yeah. Which isn't, you know, it's a fortunate, blessed position in some respects. We've worked towards it. Mm. It's not true of all chef-owned businesses. But no, if I, I, I put cheese on because I understand it. I know it works with different dishes. Yeah. And I I understand other people like it. It's not all about me. But if I don't <laughs> want to cook with it, we just won't. Yeah. Like, that's as simple as it is. We don't, I think our guests trust us now. And that's enabled us to be in a place where we've got a set tasting menu with two choice two choices at different parts so that trust is there that relationship's there and yeah we cook what we want to cook and that's the best position to be in and aside from the cheese board at the end it'd be a bit odd if a customer turned around and went there's a bit of a lack of cheese running throughout this menu that'd be a bit of an odd yeah. thing to say so i don't think anyone <laughs> it, could ever it would yeah <laughs> it would and sometimes looked at it and it's been like god there's a lot of there's actually a lot of cheese in this menu. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't. I would not be happy yeah, with it. I'd be living if I came here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be that awkward guy. Can you just take that out and that out and change that dish? Yeah, <laughs> I'll be the guy I don't like. Yeah. Um, Ian's follow-up question was also, "What's the best UK ingredient?" That's quite a good question, actually. Like UK produce. Like, what if you had to maybe I don't know go to an international competition and you had to say it was like a best of your home nation what is like the the ingredient you'd put front and center and go there you go that's that is the, as good as it gets from us wow well because we, we got so many yeah got so many and greg it's... sausage roll <laughs> <laughs> yeah all the steak bait yeah <laughs> um i was just just having a chat on a group a group chat with some some lads from Cov that um that I grew up with about steak bakes actually <laughs> and then showed me pictures of how nice they were and they looked terrible. Oh, These mate. bake at home Greg's ones they started doing them from supermarkets now. <laughs> so, oh, for God's sake. sake. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it'd have to be. Well, our meat, fish, shellfish are up there with the best in the world. You know, our oh, really? best. Would you say that? Our best lamb, our best beef. Um, and is up there with the best in the world, like the the the, the best of the best. Yeah. Genuinely, like you can't compare. Like every every country, yeah, we've got shit beef. Yeah. We've got shit fish. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, and our, our scallops, just, just no those no really? north north of Scotland, the best scallops in the world, best really? langoustines okay. in the world. Yeah. You know, they kind of the waters link into sort of Scandinavia, but yeah. you know, Europe, all over Europe, they use like. British scallops and British langoustines and things like that. Beauty. Because they're just the best. Oh, yeah, so, so good. Oh, oh. I should always yeah. have lunch before I, cut, I do this. I never do. I know. An idiot. <laughs> um, 
Okay, next one is from Johnny, who says, uh, when is Heston coming on the show? Uh, don't know. Don't ask him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We've never. Um, we, do you? I suppose like there's obviously we've learned through all the guests we've had on the show, like how interconnected you all are from either sort of doing a nostalgia mm-hmm. at each other's place or whatever, working together once upon a time. Do you have like a quick connection to Heston in any way? Like, do you know people that have either um, worked there or have you got like you know common? I know Johnny supplies there. That was one of his first things. Yeah, Ashley Palmer Watts. I mean, he's of not course, there yeah, anymore, Ashley. Yeah, sorry, stupid that's question. My yeah. Direct. I don't know Heston. I don't think I've ever met him, actually, no. And I've don't, I never have, I don't have a direct contract. And he's not on social media. Yeah. But that, that's the, that's the contact I would have I was, with him. It's someone I'd love to have on. Yeah. It'd be amazing. I, um, it's funny you yeah. say that because I was, I was, I went on to his, when we got this question, I went on to his, like, to find him on social media and he's not there. And I know he's done mm. those, like, Channel 4 shows over time. He doesn't do, seems to do them anymore. You know, he does, like, those feasts and stuff. Yeah. And I, well, think I know he, he lives in the south of France now. I think he's taken a bit of a step back. Right, and, okay. Because I, I think, you know, it, it works well and whatever. And maybe he doesn't need to do any of this. But he is like the closest thing we have to real life Willy Wonka. Do you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean by that? In in the, his unusual, t- like those feasts where it's like, you know, the, the cutlery on the table, you can actually eat it, that sort of stuff. But the fact that yeah. he's also not on social media, he's like a bit, a, there's something a bit curious about, like, no one really mm. knows him. And a lot of people that go yeah. to the restaurant also, you know, there's loads of surprises and they don't want to tell the secrets. And it, I think he should lean, he could lean so much further into that Willy Wonka persona if he wanted. He could do, <laughs> he could legitimately do like a golden ticket competition around the world. And I think it'd work. I think he could really oh, pull it Oh, it would, off. yeah. It would, yeah, definitely. Yeah, people would be clamouring to get yeah. him. But uh, yeah. rest assured, if we can ever get Hassan on, we will definitely have him on. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce this, but at C4RVS... Uh, messages. Yeah, covers that looks like. Oh yeah, it? it does. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, can we have more stories on the guy that worked with Paul? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I assume this is the guy that you made that ring up and say, about. "Yeah, tell him you're a tell, tell, him, you're, tell him you're a guy." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, I think was it was it with the coconut desiccated coconut? Said, coconut. Co- yeah, desiccated coconut onion rings. Yeah. Yes, you can, but not right now. Because um, they're in my bank. I have another couple of stories about Mr. What did I call him? The, James, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I, that's not his real name, obviously. Yeah, I've got a couple of stories in the bag for, say, for future. It's amazing. And I think I've asked you this before, but not on the podcast. But you've brought this guy up several times because there's some hilarious stories about him. But you didn't actually work together that long, which is the funniest part. Five weeks. Five weeks. Five weeks. And you've already got two <laughs> and you've got more in the bag. And it was a five-week yeah. affair. That is hilarious. I've got two more <laughs> definites. Okay, the so rest are all little bitty things. They're not. They're not sort of full. Anecdotes. Amazing. Well, yeah. rest assured. Covers at covers. We've got more of them coming. Uh, <laughs> Jack has a message saying, "What are your? Oh, this is a good one. Uh, what are your predictions for the Michelin Guide 2021? I mean, it's always really difficult well, to predict. But like in the industry, have you got any like intel, mate? Like any like whispers between your chef WhatsApp groups going? I reckon they're going to get it." Yeah, well, that's all they ever are, is I reckon, because none of us know. Yeah. People think they know, but they don't know. Yeah. Uh, we only know if we heard someone's got an invite. I think with the, the, this will be interesting, because when we put this podcast out, I assume it'll be after the guide, because the guide is Monday the 25th. Yes, correct. Oh, so people, God, people we're really... to see if we're right. This is being released on the Thursday, so this is properly putting our money where our mouth is right now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to say 
I I have a really strong feeling that there will be a, a good good amount of two mission stars Ooh, okay. announced, based on the fact that, and I, I know they don't work like this, but like when you think of it, there's there's room for them because there's, um, the greenhouse is closed down, um, the other one what was there other two star the Asian one oh, it slipped my mind now. It was in the same business as them. That's closed down. Nathan Outlaw is rebranded. Yeah. So, um, oh, quickly on Nathan Outlaw, mate. Just quickly on that one. So, because he's rebranded, does he lose both stars straight away? No, not necessarily. Um, I imagine the way they would work it is, you know, it's a new name and a new concept, so they'd revisit. It's not mm. about losing. No, sorry. Yeah. So I just didn't know how that it, worked. Yeah, new name, new concept. They'll revisit. So Paul Wilburn is in a similar position. Yeah, he of course. Is, yeah, uh, it was Oxford Kitchen. It's changed to two. Is it two one five or two five one? Actually, went there a few weeks ago. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's about they've got it because they can't just carry it on because they're printing a different name. Yeah, and different branding. So yeah, it's in that position. They'll they'll revisit him. My assumption would be is that Nathan would go to one star and that that's based on no information sure, that's just yeah. based on the fact it's a much more simpler approachable yeah. style it's not the yeah because i read about that it didn't look it looked more i don't know whether humble's the wrong the wrong word but it looked like the sort of premise of it of his new place would be a lot more stripped mm-hmm. back it is and it's food he said he likes to eat it's more approachable i suppose uh but still rooted in his uh his philosophies of fish yeah. and got great quality fish of food so, I mean, what's that? That's so that's four two stars that won't be in the book. Uh-huh. So, if you count Ledbury as well, so and I think was there another one? Um, but yeah, and then there's gonna, there's a few one stars off my head, like textures closed. Um, there's another one in was it in Bristol's closed? There's been quite a few, obviously, with this pandemic. So, it'd be interesting to see what volume of two and ones to have. I, ca- I can't really put my name to any because i was i've was, I was, had a, i had a good chat with tony parkin on the phone yesterday yeah. and uh we were talking about it for ages and because nowhere's been open much over these past few months and we've not eaten out and you don't see it on social media you kind of like for not forget but it's not relevant in your mind yeah. you like thinking who who would so the, the same old names you know like gareth ward he's always pinned for two um you know casimir and you know, like the same names for three as well. You know, like Claude Bozzi at Bibendum, uh-huh. Claire at Core. I think Claire is a front runner to get three stars. Yeah, good call. Definitely. Um, you know, Sat uh, Sat Baines and um, Long Clume, they're always in the mix. Yeah. Um, would they, they have had to have taken for, for they surprises? Have, they'd have had to have gone to all these places between lockdown then, between the lockdowns when it all opened up. Would they have? I, I can't just imagine they'd have is, got round everywhere. Well, this is interesting, and this is uh, it's a point I wanted to make actually, because there is there's a lot of negative twats out on um, <laughs> social media. Like, oh, well, well, welcome, welcome and, to social media. <laughs> yeah, why are they doing Michelin? You know, one, it's positive thing yes, yeah. when the hospitality industry has been through the weeds. So you know, you can't knock that. It's going to be good and good for people's businesses and profiles, um, etc. And then two, like okay, the guide normally comes out in October, right? And it goes to print. So they have to make their decisions by July. Mm-hmm. So that means they're finished in July. So they start looking for the year after in August. Yeah. So for oh, this God, guide, yeah. they started looking in August 2019. So that's August, September, October, November, December, January, oh, February, point. and most of March. Yeah, good point. So good eight, eight months. months. Yeah. 
Then July, August, they put the guide back a few months from October to now. So July, August, September, October. What's that? 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 months there. And then November, December, some places were open. Yeah. So 12 to 14 months. Yeah, good point. I think that's enough time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I just naively, and I imagine I'm like a lot of people, just wouldn't have thought of it that way. I'd have just thought, oh, it's, there's been a pandemic. It can't happen. But you're right. The yeah. timeline actually suggests they've had loads of time. Um, yeah, and you're not you're not going to need to look at say if you've just given a star to say like Tony got a star and Alex got a star last year. Yeah. they're not going to in that sort of window of July, September, October. They're not going to really be needing to visit them because they've just got it. That you know they're going to be okay. That's not a priority to visit, is it? Yeah, good point. So they're going to be visiting the the ones that are on the cusp that yeah. they've been visiting for a while. So yeah. I think there's ample time. Yeah, yeah. Good question. And actually, I don't. I hope you don't mind me asking this, mate. But do you get are you nervous? Does a part of you get like you know about wanting to? Re- Obviously, you want to retain it, but do you do, does yeah. do you, do you get like oh god, a couple of weeks ago, you know, just wait, it's more just waiting for the relief of hopefully we retain and carry on, or what, how do you feel? Yeah, it, it's a nice relief when you get it, but I mean, we're not at it that long. So like last year, I didn't feel it because I mean the chances of losing it in the first year were you'd have were, to really fuck slim. it. <laughs> that yeah, you would, and you'd know about it, and that'd make them look bad as well because they've vouched for you. Yeah, good next point. Year actually, not, yeah, not good enough. They only do it when they're really, really sure. Um, and then this year as well, to be honest, with everything else going on, it's it's not, and this I don't want to sound um, disrespectful, but it's just not as big as everything else going on. Yeah, you know what I mean. As big as it is, it means a lot to me. Obviously, but I just I just know we we had a visit in November, which I know was really positive. Yeah, and then we've we've not been visited and we've not been open, so I'm like, okay, we should be okay. Yes, yeah. So I've not really because I think because I've been stressing about loads of other things. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I've not that's Thought the least it. amount of stress I've had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood. Well, it should be interesting because a lot of people will be listening to this post the reveal of all of the stars. Yeah. So fingers yeah. crossed there, mate. I'm not going to throw my hat in the ring at all, just so I don't fuck it. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we got one from at we Al who says, what are your thoughts and opinions on the recent outcry for a minister of hospitality? Okay, hmm. yeah. Um, interesting one. And I, I suppose I'm on the fence. I'm, I'm, defi- I'm obviously for it. I just... There's a part of me that just thinks, will it, will it do any good? Yeah, and that's me asking a question. That's not me being negative about it, because like Claire, who started it, um, I think it's a brilliant campaign that she's put together and done incredible to get those signatures and the support she got. Mm-hmm. And it can't be a bad thing, right? Yeah. But it's probably because I don't know a lot about politics, really. But if you get a leader of hospitality in in that position. Then they've got to play the politics game, which they're not used to. Yes, yeah. If you get a politician in that position, they ain't going to give a shit about hospitality. Sure. Especially if they're a Tory, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um, like the current bunch. So, like, what's right? I don't know what's right. And That's hard, yeah. Is it, is it going to have... Yes, it's going to be good to have a voice for the industry. Yeah. Um, but... You know, again, if it's a politician, it's someone that's unreachable for us. If it's if it's an industry leader, you know, someone who's big, big in the industry and well respected, yeah. we can reach them. But they're going to be strong enough in Parliament. I, I you know, what I mean, it's very could be very difficult. Up. Do you think? Because yeah. I I don't know, but before the pandemic, did you ever hear murmurings within your industry of people saying we need more representation in government before the pandemic hit? 
I never, and it's something that I would never have thought of, to be honest, yeah. because we kind of just, one of those industries you just get on. Yes. We've always yeah. just got on and you, you're left to it. You fight your way through adversity yeah. and you adapt and you just, you know, you don't, you don't you do you don't have a union there's no such thing as exactly. a union yeah. so you you do you just get on so it doesn't it's not the first thing that comes to your mind but then when you know when claire first come up with the idea and started campaigning it's like that makes sense yeah. you know we've not got a voice here we're getting and just because of how you know, big the industry is and how many people it employs just for that alone is is yeah. it must be the largest sort of sector to not have representation in government i imagine it must be yeah it must be uh, but look, I mean, it's like what we could have done with it at the start of the pandemic, because it maybe what what the main positive would have been was somebody asking the questions of like ten, in September, like Boris, why are you doing this ten o'clock thing? Show us the evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was nobody to nobody that's to say that over the nurse just shouting, just just to challenge. Yeah. I think that's what the positive could be of it. They've got to be a very strong person to be able to say, show us the evidence. Why are you doing this ten o'clock thing? And then obviously that was wrong. And then why are you targeting? hospitality more than anything when there's no evidence yeah somebody to challenge and ask those questions is is probably what is needed well mate if you did lose your star at the weekend i've seen your twitter account that you should put your name forward <laughs> mate you imagine me gobbing off St- stood up in parliament shot. go on paul go on son cov cov gobshot in parliament <laughs> <laughs> love it <laughs> just heckling at the back <laughs> Uh, okay cool we've got another one here from uh, at Chef Watts who says what's the best or most positive thing you've been able to take from these lockdowns so I guess you could take this either food or not Mm, I don't know what about you I've got quite a few really yeah um, I suppose this this is a bit of a deep answer but a part of me feels I think we spoke about this the other day mate about how I'm optimistic about what this will hopefully do for either me personally or people's mindsets going forward. You know, mm. I, I'm i 32. I, I don't feel like I've faced much adversity in my life. And even this pandemic in some yeah. ways doesn't feel like that much adversity. But I think, I think even a year after it blows over, there'll be a part of you going, fuck, we really didn't. We, it was illegal to go to each other's houses. We had to cut our own hair. We had to do. We'd go, we'll really go, wow, we went through all that. I can't believe yeah, we went through that. I think that's that. when it'll sink in. Yeah, it won't sink yeah. in now. It'll sink in later. And I, a part of me is hopeful that this will give us new perspectives. Mm-hmm. and we'll sort of take a bit of a step back and I hope for me like just everything tastes better and smells sweeter and is nicer and it just has this sense of like appreciation for the freedom of, of I, I hope that's a thing I and it doesn't last a week you know I hope it's not you know, it yeah. goes it all yeah it's got to continue yeah. you can't lose that um, gratefulness yeah yeah, and yeah. and also you know the other really and this probably trumps this the other big positive is obviously all the live football yeah, live football's on this lockdown. Yeah. It's cracking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just every single game, just whenever you want it. It is hard to describe to loved ones that don't understand or like football why you'd w- want to watch games of teams that aren't your team. That's hard to mm. describe, isn't it? Because I love football yeah, so much yeah. that I'll happily sit down and watch Leicester Fulham. But to someone, they go, yeah. you're a Man United fan. I go, yeah, but it's Premier League football. Yeah, I, it's, what do you, it's football. I yeah, don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, why wouldn't you watch it? Oh, good, a rabbit hole. If, yeah, but if they lose and then we beat them next weekend, then we go above them in the... T- oh, just don't worry about it. Just fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but what about you? What, what positive takes from the yeah, lockdowns? Yeah, for me, I mean, two... Like, I, I don't want to put them together as one lockdown. If I, t- I just want like talk about it personally, I'm very different this lockdown to last lockdown. I think like, last lockdown, I was just so lost. As you know, I was in a very different place. Mm. But um, I... 
and it wasn't about not being at a restaurant. I just, I think I totally lost purpose as well because I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. You know, I was just in the house with the kids and it would just become so sort of monotonous yeah. and just not knowing the same, what was going on. Yeah, and I just didn't, but this time I've got, you know, it's given me so much time to work on uh, different business options and sort of side hustles for myself, really. Mm. And just, you know, I'm writing six more cookbooks. Um, <laughs> just six. Which, just yeah, not six. three, yeah, not what, four, six. So. <laughs> <laughs> one, one at a time, I might add. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing a, um, I'm doing a meat, meat poultry game book at the moment, which I'm really excited about. Um, like a teaching book, yeah. but a cool one. It's not, um, it's not going to be like formulaic and too educational. Mm-hmm. Um, so it should be approachable. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, then Salt Masterclass, like you mentioned earlier, I've just really turned that into its own own business on the side, which I'm just I'm really enjoying, and oh, I'm brilliant. just looking, I'm having the chance to grow now and just make it into its own 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 little thing. And the, the feedback's been great. Yeah, oh mate, I love um, it. I mean, me and Haley have done several of them already, and it's interesting because uh, I spoke to you about this before. But for me and Haley, we're sort of coming at it from different points. We both love food, but I've spent a lot mm. more time in my life just in the kitchen in general. So for, for yeah. Haley, she sees your things from a different angle where it's like, oh my God, these are really sophisticated dishes and I've got no idea, but she can follow them just as well. And then things like we spoke about yeah. the risotto oh, before good. where I've made risottos before, but you were filling in these gaps of, huh, oh, I see, that makes it taste better. Yeah. because of the, okay. and it, So it works for different levels and I think that's why it's it's so good. And it's nice as well. I know it sounds silly, but it's nice because it's at it's filmed at Salt upstairs. It's filmed in the same room we did the podcast in. It's really, exactly, I like that yeah. it's all, you know, on the same sort of keel yeah and i think it translates so much better than a recipe book um not wanting to undersell my book and what i'm doing obviously <laughs> but because i'm you can see what is happening yes, yeah. and i'm talking to you i give you a lot more information if that was written down in a recipe book you wouldn't do it because it'd be so much yeah i'm talking to you constantly about this is how it should look that's what you do next this is why that's happening yeah you i think you're learning a whole whole lot more about certain dishes 100 nice one mm. Uh, cool, got another one here from Ian who says, Sai, has your opinion of chefs changed since the podcast? <laughs> huh. I was, to, I was then trying to think, what was my opinion of chefs before the podcast? And I suppose, like, the lazy answer is a bit like everyone just thought everyone was, you know, perhaps they every, every chef had a bit of an edge or a, or a hot side, hot streak in them, uh, yeah. you know, and all those sorts of things. And I felt, discovered that to be true. Yeah. yeah, you know there was there's some like <laughs> there's no smoke without fire, but no, not in a horrible way. But I think what I I then discovered interviewing and talking to all of these guys is that fire under everyone's belly is so consistent across the board amongst at least all the chefs we've you know had. Yeah. It's just this burning desire and love for food and just wanting to cut you know get on and do and it's it's a high high octane and and I think through yeah. that I've just gained a lot more respect for them because the amount of like sacrifice in their life, the amount of you know uh people they see less, kids they see less, you know, and all these sorts of things and moments they miss out on. You know, I I think that's just the overwhelming thing. Uh, but everyone's been yeah. really lovely as well and 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 what's interesting is I felt like even when the mics aren't on, everyone's the same as they were yeah. when the mics were on. <laughs> if that makes sense, do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. no one's yeah. like put on a facade when we've done a podcast. Everyone's pretty much been the same after. 
after bar one, but yeah. um, <laughs> but, but um, the majority. Yeah, it's because the conversation continues. Yes, and yeah. there's been points where we're like, "Oh, I wish we were recording that." Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, you're right. Because it's just continuation of yeah, yeah, of chat. Yeah. And and I think the other thing that I think my opinion of chefs has changed a bit is also I think that there's a lot there's like a there is obviously a lot a lot a softer side of chefs and the industry that you never see on TV shows and things where they've yeah. you know through either traveling or adversity or whatever there's vulnerabilities there and there's things they're overcoming to you know mm-hmm. uh, Daniel's was a really uh, that that really took me Daniel Clifford's persona and how he comes across you know brash hard-nosed all this yeah you know, he was talking to us mm-hmm. about the book he wrote and about you know the problems with his, his childhood and his family yeah, there's real yeah. vulnerable stuff. And I love that he was able to just put that out there and be really honest and transparent about it. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it is. It's been such an interesting process in that way. I, um, like, for that question, I was actually, like, in the first few podcasts, I was always really concerned. Yeah. Because, obviously, we had got to know each other first and we were mates and then we started doing this. Yeah. And I was like... It's coming out of these stories, I was like, "Shit, is Sai going to judge? Me? Is he going to think? Is he going to think less of me now?" And then, it's not the guy. Like, this is involved. not the guy I met. <laughs> yeah, I didn't sign up for this. No. It's this fucking not bad. Um, you know, the Haley as well. I was thinking, oh, they they don't know this about me or, or whatever. Uh, probably, I was overthinking it. Obviously, you're overthinking but, it. Um, don't yeah. we're, we're all still yeah. friends. We're all. Still friends. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, next one. Am I a bad uh, what's your? Oh, I don't know who this one's from. Apologies. Oh no, I do. I do. This is. I tell you what. This is abuse of power. This is Nathan, Haley's brother. I knew it'd be Nathan. He you messaged the name down. during this like be. call for questions, going, "What's your thoughts on India's ability to defeat Australia in the Gabba, a job that no team has done in 33 years, and with practically a second eleven? Great question. Not for the nightcap, but a brilliant question. Yeah. But I thought I'd still throw it, it in is. there because yeah, I made some notes on it anyway. Uh, did you? It's, uh, that that was the only one without a name, and I thought, did he put that? Because I know that's going to be Nathan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it did send shockwaves um, around the sporting world, though, didn't it? That victory. Yeah, because it was amazing. Mm. Like, like what? Like not just the achievement, but because the fact it was the Aussies, and yeah. they're so that group. They're so like. They don't have any grace in winning or losing, no. do they, in my opinion? No. And the, the, this arrogance. And the the bit, the, I'm sure you'll agree, the bit that made it sweeter, the way Tim yeah. Tim Payne was like, can't, can't wait to get you the, the Gabba. Gabba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you couldn't write it for that. Can you imagine how regretful yeah. he felt when he remembered, oh, God, I said that, didn't I? Oh, shit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. Which only really made big news, because that was kind of general yeah. sort of general sort of first legend anyway wasn't it but because of uh smith sort of marking the the wicket yeah weren't it that was why because they were like all oh, this as well yeah it's yeah. great no i loved it i thought it was amazing especially as they're like it was they were like injury ridden team yeah definitely yeah and that oh, i mean that india good. team is surprising a lot of people for different reasons and they've got real every single member of the squad is very different in individual in how they go about doing their thing that'll make for a great mm-hmm. series series for england india which is coming up shortly but the other thing that yeah, i love the most about this is you know like how you know when like roger bannister became the first person in the world to run a four minute mile yeah and then three more people did it the next year yeah because they knew yeah. it could be done and now england yeah go to the fucking ashes this this winter yeah. knowing that the gabba they can be beaten at the gabba it's happened and i feel like yeah. there'll be a sense of we can take them here because we know they're not undefeated. Yeah. And in a sense from them, we can be beaten. Yeah, here. yeah. Because it said everything like they just assumed they were going to win. Them. Yes, exactly. They don't know what losing at Gabba's like. Yeah. 
any of those players, and they clearly yeah. took it for granted and uh, too cocky about it we just got to turn up at the gather and we'll beat them because we always beat people at the gather so oh, i just love yeah. it it's great great question nathan i don't know what it is about family members in this but i also got a text from my cousin tom going um yeah i've got a great question for you and paul uh, who do you think will be the biggest name transfer target in this window i was like what the fuck <laughs> tom this is not this is a cooking show <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's still got to be around cooking and the podcast. Yeah, and I don't know the yeah. answer to that anyway. I think it's too hard to predict football transfers. I, I really, can, I never see them coming. Especially really. with the pandemic yeah. in January, and also because, yeah. and I, I don't know about you. I know you listen to Talksport quite a lot, don't you? But. I used to love yeah. when I was younger what having like if I, if there's nothing on TV I'd have Sky Sports news on in the background and after like 3 days of watching it I'd realize wait a minute they've been talking about this transfer that and nothing's come true this is yeah. all absolute conjecture constantly yeah. like I've got no I've learned nothing from this no and 95% of those signings haven't happened. Yeah, it doesn't happen. And they're all breaking news. Yeah. Someone in League One has signed a loan deal. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on breaking news. Back when I was a kid, breaking news was like, breaking news, Sir Alex Ferguson's retired from football. Now breaking news is, mm. Gareth Bale's got cold. Oh, it's not breaking news. Yeah. That is not breaking news. That, that yellow ticker tape never goes now. Although they, transfer deadline day was brilliant until, you know what, they've stopped it now because of the dildo. Oh yeah! Do you know that? Oh my Dildo in his, God, his face. face. Don't do those the oh, <laughs> That poor reporter, like no. he's got a whole body of work and a whole life of work, but his most remembered thing is Dildo in his face on live TV. <laughs> Only in Britain would that happen, I reckon. That is. Just... And they never do those training ground um, <laughs> where they stand and wait anymore because of that. <laughs> oh, so good. Fantastic. Um, cool. I think that's all the questions we've got. They were brilliant, and we had loads. We had loads of others that we couldn't couldn't get to because we didn't want to like do a five hour show. But um, please continue if we if you've enjoyed this and want us to do more, then we're up for it. It's very easy to do, and it's great fun. So yeah. if you want to send us more questions, then we can maybe do some more before we get going with season four. Which, as we talked about earlier, as soon as things go back to normal, we'll be getting the guests in. We'll be going back to normal. We'll be doing all the usual shebang. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Nice, well, so mate. Plans for the rest of the, today? What are you up to? Uh, I've got some deliveries to do, some boxes. Yeah, I love um, that you've been. Yeah, so for those that don't know, Paul's been Salt have been doing boxes, and it's like uh, sort of a bit like we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast. Like they take the food all the way to a certain way, and then you finish it off at home, basically. Uh, but you've yeah. been delivering some of them yourself, which must be great for some people, especially who are aware of you and are into food or something, and literally yeah. pulls at your door, like, "All right, here's your box. That's great." I've. D- since start of November, I've delivered every single one, but I think two boxes jacked up last week, like every box, yeah. Most of them are collections, so I'll deliver five or six on a Friday, five or six on a Saturday. Do you quite like yeah, it in a weird way? Do you quite, quite like having a yeah, list of addresses? Yeah, I, I stick a podcast on, yeah. just get in the car, have a route planner set out and just, just yeah, just drive away. Nice. It's quite free. Yeah, yeah, respect, sounds yeah. great. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, go to Salt's website and check out all the stuff from the boxes, the masterclass, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, yeah, we'll be back in your ears that sounds weird um soon with another pod surely fm coming in your <laughs> coming ears. in your ears oh and if you ever go to salt make sure you ask or say has this food been lip-synced because that would then then we'll know we'll know the listeners we'll weed out the listeners from that yeah nice one Definitely. uh questions at the nightcap pod facebook twitter instagram etc and we'll see you soon see you later